Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring potholes and admiring the guy liner, all with love for the show and its creators. I'm Vero. And I'm Lina. And today we're covering Lucifer, season 2, episode 16, God Johnson. Isn't Johnson another word for penis? Yes, I was just about to say. And I wonder when they then later on name the guy because his name is Earl Johnson, right? Is it symbolic for anything? Or is it just because John is supposedly the common name or whatever? No idea, but I did go into a deep dive for that. I did stopped and wondered, yeah. I found it entertaining enough. So, summary time. Lucifer meets Dad in a psychiatric hospital, though it turns out that it isn't actually him. Dan tries to hold on to his self-respect, though it turns out he does not have enough of it. Mace is trying Chloe as a a new friend and standing for Lucifer, though it turns out he is still the only one that matters in the end. An episode full of twists, turns, one-liners and a surprising amount of emotion. And you haven't seen the cutscenes yet. Ooh, are there more than one? There's two. One of them is very short and the other one is very good. I'm quite curious, but instead of telling me about the stuff I'm gonna hear in the future, tell me about your obsession of the week. I have decided to call the obsession of the week the parent. Trap. That's a nice one. I was very boring and went with God. Because even after he is in the know that God Johnson wasn't actually his dad, he is still very focused on his anger. To me, it was mainly because he is so obsessed with his revenge plan. Or is it a revenge? All of these things that happen in the episode happen because he wants to put both of them together for whatever reason that is. There are more facts and funs, of course, besides just a parent trap. We have the episode title said firstly by Lucifer, but not just by Lucifer. But since he's the first one to say it, I'm still gonna count it. So we are at 15 of 16. We also have a fourth time return writer with Jason Ning, who wrote episode three in season one, that's the would-be Prince of Darkness, and episode six in season one, that's the favorite son. And he also wrote episode five, in season two the weaponizer which is the one where Uriel actually showed up I love the two he sets the story up with Uriel and he brings it to a close with the piece being actually found they do things like that quite often actually it feels like right and also I have some super random IMDB info that I would never have known because I never watched that show have you ever watched the show Psych from 2006 I've seen it before yeah there is two things There is Spot the Pineapple. Mace orders a pineapple and jalapeno pizza for date night. Timothy Amundsen, who plays God Johnson, stars on Psych in 2006, where a pineapple appears at least once in every episode. Psych fans have a game of finding them, which is aptly called Spot the Pineapple. That is fun. Also, both Timothy Amundsen and Kevin Alejandro appeared together on Psych in the episode Fairy Tale, but it's spelled differently than Fairy Tale. And Amundsen was a starring cast member and Kevin was a guest actor. Their two characters never meet in either show, neither in Psych nor in Lucifer. You do remember that we talked about Psych before, right? No. Do you remember the Philanthropist episode? Yes. Saint Lucifer. Yes. The mansion was used as a set on both of the shows. So 
we have mentioned Psyche on the podcast before. So there's more Psyche connection. The only thing is a shame is that those two episodes were not written by the same person. That would be hilarious. Well, we're gonna keep an eye out if there's more. And that's all I have. I think I have some more somewhere in the episode, but... I'm sorry, I got confused. It was a very long work day. Yeah, I feel you. No, you were hungover. That's different. Yeah, I had a long night yesterday. Anyhow, let's go to previously on Lucifer. Lucy and Chloe kissed Chloe as a gift from dad. Dan and mom had sex. Maze and Chloe are friends. The piece is here. It's a clue. Azrael's blade is the flaming sword. Only Lucy can light it up. It's not working proper. Lucy is planning to let mom and dad have it out in heaven. And also, mom has glowing holes in her body. We see the band-aid being removed. Oh, yeah. Mom has a glowing hole in her body. I'm gonna take us right into the spooky hallway. Can I just say, I've said this before, I hate this trope with passion. Oh, that's my second note. We have Lucifer on a bed claiming that he's delusional and made it all up. And so the very first question I asked myself, how is it possible that he says that since he doesn't lie? Of course, in the end it gets answered, but that got me interested right away. So well done. But yes, the second we switch over to the second scene and we have 36 hours earlier. I'm like, really? I hate that so much. It unnecessarily stresses me out and oh, I just don't like it. I don't get stressed by it for me. It's I avoid spoilers like the plague. Whenever possible, I don't watch trailers. I don't read anything about anything. I always try to watch shows and movies and everything without knowing any little bullshit thing. And so when an episode basically tells me something that's happening far, far, far down the episode in the beginning, I feel spoiled, and I don't like that. <laughs> is it really a spoiler if it's part of the episode though? For me it is. That's why I don't like it. Okay. Well, never mind. We can pretend that this 20 seconds never happened and we can go to Linda's office. Linda is asking all the right questions as per usual. And I have some of them written down, I think, and some of them are just my personal brain spewing bullshit. Her main point is it might be dangerous for humanity. And yeah, and Lucifer does not really put neither her nor my worries to rest with his probably. And I mean, I did raise the idea of this recently on one of the episodes. How much of an effect will have the absence of divinity in heaven? Would that affect us or not? Like it does in other shows. Uh, would they smite the entire humanity while fighting? I can tell that if mom thought that it would help her cause, she would definitely smite out the entire humanity just to hurt dad. She tried so in the past. Yeah, but this is not the only question that I had or Linda had. Why didn't Lucifer tell Mace? And I understand when he tries to explain it, but still, I am not completely on board with the fact that he didn't talk to her at all. And it's gonna bite him in the arse later in the episode. I focused more on the other half of the sentence, which is, as much as I love my little sex fuck, he loves Mace. Of course. But he never said it. Things don't have to be said to be true. No, but sometimes it's nice to have them spelled out. That is true. So, that's where my focus was. And also, I was looking very much forward to more Chloe and Mace time. Sadly, that didn't last. <laughs> However, Mace and Chloe being besties is the content that I am here for. Yeah. 
Do you hate it? Do you really hate Chloe so much that you don't like Clay's? First, I don't hate Chloe. But we're gonna get into that later on during several of the Clay's home scenes. But my main issue is the part on which they focus in that friendship, which is the utter incapability of communication that the other part understands for both. And that gets tiring very fast for me. But speaking of Clay's home, this is where we're headed now. And in the third scene, we see Mace being very clingy, Chloe sneaking around in her own home, trying to avoid Mace and being extremely evasive. So this is where it all starts. I think my favorite part of this scene is when Chloe says that they should expand their circle of friends, which is interesting coming from Chloe, who literally has how many four friends out of which one is Lucifer and one is her ex-husband so she should listen to her own advice but she's not really giving genuine advice she does not want both of them to expand their friends or their social circles basically we should annoy other people yeah and yet she really should listen to her own advice doesn't matter if it's genuine or not point taken so moving on we went to what then turned out to be the hospital. In the beginning, I wasn't sure if it was a hospital or where they were. And I like Lucifer's allegory with the maze and prince, like baby birds. I didn't love it because he calls her a sad little bird. Which is not that wrong. Yeah, but it doesn't really show that he thinks much of her, you know? Even though he may have said that he loves her. No, but he also says later on that she will find her place. I just think that he's not worried about her. Which, given her reaction at the end of the episode when Amenadiel puts his foot in it, maybe he should be worried. I guess we'll see. I just didn't love the expression myself. What I didn't love is how entertained Lucifer is by the mentally ill. He finds them extremely entertaining. And that just struck me wrong because so far Lucifer as a character has been surprisingly PC on many, many levels and then suddenly have him make fun of mentally ill people. I did not catch that. Do you have a quote? When he goes like, there's nothing as hilarious as some guy uh, thinking he's Napoleon and stuff like that. Mental illness is not an entertaining factor. Yeah, I didn't catch that. I just kind of took him as a just being Lucifer. And then, especially then later on when he actually checks himself in, the way he treats them did not strike me as making fun of them at all. No, in the rest of the episode it is handled quite well actually, so this felt very out of place to me, that's why I noticed it. Yeah, I agree with you, that's not okay. And then I have everything in one scene that happens in the hospital, because lazy. (laughs) And Lucifer sees gods, in quotation marks, in the next room and of course he sneaks off and goes into the room to talk with him and he tries to work his mojo on the dude and it does not work and then Lucifer says are you on a lot of drugs or on what drugs are you? Is this the first time that we heard the fact that his mojo might be evaded by doing drugs? As far as I know, yeah. So that's interesting because how does that work? His power makes you basically bear your soul 
to your most hidden, deepest, darkest desire. So how is that process affected by drugs? In my head, it was more of an emotional thing. Desire would be more connected to emotion to me. So if you are drugged, you become detached. Or over-emotional. Depends on what drugs you take, right? I found it very curious that his mojo... I found it interesting that drugs can affect his powers. So that I agree on. I think that there must be specific types of drugs. I'm curious if it's ever gonna show up again or if this is gonna be a one-off use. Like, remember the pilot with the weird goat eyes? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Also, God then proceeds to call him Samael and our wonderful patrons or rather our wonderful believers already know everything that is to know about Samael because they listen to the bonus of season one, episode six where I go into quite a bit of detail on Samael. Yay! That moment when Timothy calls Lucifer Samael, the way the shot is framed and you get the light from behind him gives him a halo, essentially. And that's so beautifully shot. Also, Timothy Amundsen is such a beautiful human being. Of course he is. But also, again, I ask, why does Samael bother Lucifer so much? Because we did not get that answered yet, have we? No, and it also makes no sense that they use Samael because Samael is Hebrew for poison of God. So, no, it makes no sense. But inside Lucifer, that's the name he had before he rebelled. So he does not like being called by his child name, basically. Is that the only reason why he would be this upset about it? I just find it weird. Okay. Then at 5.46, we get our title card. And very unusual still for Lucifer, we change location. After the title card, we go into the penthouse. We are still talking about the same thing, though. And Lucifer actually says that God called him Samael, which is one of the reasons why he is inclined to believe that there is some kind of a connection between this person and his father. What kind of threw me off the track of this interesting storyline in this scene was the fact that Ames spends apparently a lot of time on the internet googling random stuff. I found that adorable, but Ames's internet story could not distract me from the other part that he said, usually dead father sends either a messenger, as in angel, a manadeal, or a burning bush. <laughs> and I know it's not really funny, but to me, a burning bush is always hilarious because sexual disease joke. Okay. Might be the only one, but I am still, every time someone goes burning bush, I'm like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) After Amenadiel goes into his internet weirdness, Lucifer implies, at least to my opinion, that there is still something going on between Amenadiel and Mace. I didn't see it as an implying, I feel like he just flat out said it. Well, he said, wouldn't you miss someone with pointy knives and yada yada, but he... Yeah, is there anybody else on the show? No, but he did straight up say, well, you guys fucked and you still care for her. That's why I say he's implying that there's still something going on between Ames and Mace. And I agree with him, at least from uh, Amenadiel's side. I don't. What kind of interaction did the two of them have in the past that we know of? I think that they cared for each other and then the fact that she... She have left him. She was the one to broke it off. 
left him wanting more, is my opinion. I see your opinion and I see nothing in the show that has given us any indication that it is that way. And I'm not a fan of the show not showing us something and then going, oh, well, it's so obvious it has always been around. Well, maybe they're just giving us a slight hint so that they can build on it later. Which is what my assumption here is. So we have Lucifer implying that there is still something going on, even though in the last few interactions when... The two of them have been in the same room. There was literally nothing going on between the two of them. Lucifer alludes to this situation and whether it actually happened on the screen or not, it's been eluded now. So they can now put it in the works. Now we have the base, but for me it felt very eh. I also agree that when Lucifer calls Amenadiel out on the fact that Ames has found his likeness to earth so it's not just about a certain demon or one specific person but that he is enjoying the perks of being on earth i agree with lucifer anything else for this scene nope so we finally go to the precinct which feels kind of late for a more or less classic episode with the setup so finally we go to the precinct and i have the song tangent prepared in case you don't have it what tangent you go for it there's a song playing so i was assuming that they're quoting a song oh right sorry that's gonna play in like five scenes but they're talking about a song they're talking about a song from 1995 i think yes we'll talk about it when the when the song will actually play however the moment when chloe started quoting the song and obviously i feel like everybody should know it especially if you grew up in america i feel like you must have heard it before so i was especially somebody like ella i was very surprised that she didn't know it exactly that's kind of my point it makes absolutely no sense that Ella being who she is and being more or less how old she's probably supposed to be that she has not heard the song because she would have been in her mid late teens when the song came out in 1995 it was worldwide played and it's an extremely well known song about fucking God and Ella being Ella it makes absolutely no sense that she doesn't know the song so that was a weird choice also my note yes (laughs) on the other hand I was very happily surprised that Lucifer's behavior has actual consequences for the actual police work. That's very rare. I feel one of the very, very few times that his behavior has negative consequences for Chloe's job. Yeah, it had to happen sooner or later. Did not surprise me at all. His next move did not surprise me either, to be honest. Because what he does in the next scene when he just marches himself into the information of the mental hospital and declares he needs to be admitted because he's Lucifer. Ah, the only note I have for this scene is Lucifer, you idiot. Because judging by the cold open, this will be your doom. I enjoyed him checking in, like he checks into a hotel, basically. I was a bit confused by the orderly. He seemed very stoned to me. I don't think it was an orderly. It was just a receptionist or something. By the dude inside the hospital that works there. He seemed extremely stoned to me. And I was like, okay, did you steal some patient's drugs? So that was very, very weird to me because he's, he doesn't care. Even when Lucifer smooshes him against the glass, he still very relaxed and calm and everything for the situation he's in. And of course, when checking in, Lucifer counts out a few more names. One of those names is Beltabub, and 
Again, I say, if you want to know more about Beelzebub, become one of our believers and go to Season 1, Episode 2, Bonus Episode. Because that's where I go into detail about Beelzebub. So we actually finally get our first song with this scene. That's late. Yeah, it is. Which is by Cherry Glazer and it's called Humble Pro. And we get a shot of Daniel looking inside the fridge and getting extremely upset about missing his pudding. And he screams out at the precinct, who stole my pudding? And there's these two officers by a table who point at each other, which I find absolutely hilarious. This is the first time Dan's pudding has gone missing? Or has it happened before? Pretty sure this is the first time. And behold, it was actually Mother, who's just standing there looking all sexy with the pudding that has massive Dan written on the lid. I was surprised because the last time we had an interaction between Dan and Mom, Dan was extremely flustered. And now he seems to be very self-assured and standing his ground and everything. So that was new for me, but I liked it very much. And the moment I wrote down, me likes it, Mom goes, I like it, sassy or something. And I was like, no! Also, this scene just proves my point when I said earlier where I really don't think that they slept together since the trial. But it will happen! We're gonna talk about that when we get there. So yeah, not a fan of the mom-den interaction. So we go back to the hospital and Lucifer joins the group playing pretend poker and... I like it. Isn't it so good? It's a great game and I kind of want to join. And also the entire scene for me is done very well with Scott Johnson sitting beside the wall and Lucifer keeping an eye on him and then getting distracted for just a short moment. And whoosh, he's gone, being elusive. So I really like the tension that is being built in this entire hospital scene. And Lucifer, of course, goes after potential dad. And we see him perform a fucking actual miracle. I did not expect that. And at that point, I was sure that this was actually somehow part of God and intentional or whatever. So first time I watched this episode, I completely fell for it. Line, hook and sinker. Yeah, the healing is very convincing. I love Lucifer's reaction to the realization that this is actually God or so we think at the moment. The delight on his face where he's actually glad to see him for like a half a second and then he just punches him down. It's just, it's perfect. It's typical Lucifer. It made me genuinely laugh loudly while sitting at my computer watching this. I really, really enjoyed it. And then we switch over. We're still in the hospital. We switch over to Lucifer drawing while Chloe talks to him. And I wonder, is Lucifer actually not able to draw better? Or did he draw a stick figure on purpose? On purpose. I do wonder though. Why wouldn't he be able to draw? He is a great cook. We know that. He plays piano really well. Everything he does technically is really, really, really well done. I don't know. I was wondering, maybe it's one of the few things he actually can't do. And maybe if conventions ever happen again, maybe this is gonna be one of my questions for Tom Do you think Lucifer actually can't draw anything better than stick figures? I'm convinced that he can and that he did it on purpose because it feels like something he would do. However, who are we to know this? Also, writing-wise, I had a lot of fun and joy in this episode because... 
when Lucifer goes on to explain the whole Santa Claus thing, nothing that he says makes any kind of sense in this moment. But when you watch it again and you know how it all turns out in the end, everything he says makes perfect sense. And so for me, the writing in this episode is very well done on a very subtle level. And I very much enjoy that. What I don't enjoy is the doctor hitting on Chloe. That for me was very, very icky. Yeah, at this moment, I was just convinced that he's the killer because he was just so bad and it just felt like he's trying to get in her pants just to see what she knows or some bullshit like that. So my prediction at this stage was that Chloe is gonna try to go out with him to make Lucifer jealous because obviously she's not over Lucy yet. It's only been like four weeks. While the doctor is gonna try to kill her because of what she knows. Okay. That would have been a good story, right? I did not go anywhere near that. For me, it was just like, <laughs> oh, dude. Because I had not realized that the doctor did not know that Chloe was a police officer. And so for me, it felt super icky that he, while working was hitting on Chloe while working. So that's where a lot of the ickiness level for me came from. Afterwards, when I realized, oh, he doesn't know that she's a police person. Ew, it's even worse. He thought that she was visiting like a friend or a relative or something at the mental hospital, which depending on how severe the condition of the person you're visiting is, is extremely emotionally draining. And then he hits on her? Really? Boundaries, dude? Do you know them? They made it even more icky for me. I am not a fan of him for completely different reasons. <laughs> as long as we agree. However, yes, as long as we are on the same side. Well, now we go back to Lucifer and God being together in a room. And God basically goes, what did I ever do to you? Why do you hate me so much? Why are you so angry with me? And holy shit, Lucifer loses his shit and he goes all out. Also, did you notice very little eyeliner. Oh, did not notice. Because in the last few episodes, we have started to formulate the theory that the more eyeliner he wears, the more mask he's wearing. And especially in this scene, but in this episode in general, he is being extremely honest also with himself. And so he goes all out. He's completely opening up, stating word for word what are the problems that he has with his father. And he goes out, he calls it down, casting him into hell for eternity, the manipulation via Chloe, which for me struck me as the worst offense of God, giving Lucifer the illusion of control. He literally says illusion of control. And as someone myself with a certain need for control, I very much empathize with Lucifer in this moment. And so he very much escalates here. And the reaction of God for me implies that Lucifer only thinks he has no free will, but in fact, he does have free will. So this whole scene, especially with the final bit about the nothingness and then mom appeared and yada yada, this whole scene had me sitting there like, Oh my god, there is so much there that has potential to be unpacked and to lead to new developments and wow, where are we going with this? So I was into this. I was really into this. And then it sadly doesn't lead anywhere. So I was kind of sad. But in this moment, I was so there for it. This scene, this is the height in the episode for me. 
No, we can get to the phone call that is now happening between Mace and Chloe. And of course, this is a beautiful example of how to not do friendship. Listen to each other, please. Uh, I mean, I kind of love where it's going because it obviously is gonna end up being a fucking disaster and it's gonna end up being fucking hilarious, which, my point, we will see in a few scenes, but come on, neither of them are listening to the needs of their friend, and that's not okay. I feel like mostly Mace is not listening at all, and Chloe is not doing the best job in making herself clear, but she is already making herself much clearer than in the first scene between the two of them so opposed to Mace Chloe is actually going through an evolution of how to deal with Mace while Mace very much sticks on the same level but all that being said Mace is 100% right though the doctor definitely wants some of course I mean Chloe is a beautiful woman and she's utterly oblivious when it comes to that fact that is very true so it's nice to have a friend in your life who says hey listen he wants to have sex with you do it or don't do it do you do both (laughs) very nice moving on to the precinct where we finally get the song that we were alluded to called one of us by joan osborne i did not write much else about the song but of course ella loves the song of course she should have known about it 20 years ago seriously for me the best part of this scene is that chloe even though what lucifer said to her made no sense she still follows up on it because she has gotten to the point where she trusts that lucifer usually leads to somewhere reasonable even though it might sound unreasonable in the beginning and so that made me very very happy what surprised me is that she is willing to use literally everything at her disposal to get to the killer that struck me as extremely ruthless which does not sound chloe to me but i liked it i mean later on she explains it and she apologizes but i was like "Mm, damn girl yeah chloe definitely in this episode has a bit of a darkness in her behavior which i'm sure you were waiting for for the last 20 something episodes give me more give me more give me so greedy give me give me it you need to watch the show i included the link to it i know i know i've seen it i opened the link because i wanted to just watch it because it's just so good watch the show lina we're talking about parks and recs everybody watch parks and recreations it's so good anywho yeah suddenly it all makes sense and we have this patient that looks like santa which yeah i suppose that makes sense they had me fooled at this point 100 percent. also something that i did not mention in the previous scene i was completely convinced that the woman that got attacked was a nurse and only after the fact when chloe says oh she's obviously a patient or whatever i realized that she was not <laughs> so slightly behind on this absolutely same they got us fooled for me it was not clear that she was not a nurse and i'm pretty sure it was deliberate so they kept us in the dark through a lot through this episode but i didn't mind as much because it, this 
this part of the episode felt very well done, so I didn't mind not having all the facts to sort it out myself. And this is the moment where I realized that for the first time in a while, I actually care about the case of the week. Right? That's so unusual. And I really like it. Yes. So now we can go back to the hospital. And oh my god. And we see Linda being wheeled around. With a paper bag. So she can breathe into it. So not to hyperventilate after meeting G. Oh, D. Did she faint in the previous scene? No, no, no. Okay, good. She came in and then they go out. And I'm pretty sure that right after she just sits into the wheelchair and Lucifer wheels her around so as to keep moving. But oh my god, I adore Linda's reaction. I should have curtsied. <laughs> no! <laughs> I love, 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 love. I was super intrigued with Lucifer's even more torturous plan. Because I did not see the parent trap coming at all. Really appreciated that. And now it brings us to the first cutscene. Ooh, in the middle of the hospital scene, okay. In the middle of the hospital scene. This is the short one where Lucifer walks into the room and God is sitting on his bed. And he is reading a magazine and he has some kind of uh, pop culture references. And Lucifer tells him that he is breaking him out of there. And God says, he calls him a rebel. And he says, jailbreaks, attempted patricide, don't think that I don't know about the smokes. And Lucifer just looks at him and says, so? Just send me to hell. And just grabs him and drags him out. Of the room. Which is kind of like a mm, deep cut. So I kind of like this. Just a little short scene where we see some mentions of things that happened in the past. And see that God is truly all-knowing. That he knows even about the smokes. Which also makes me wonder when did Lucifer smoke? Because the fall was before we had cultivated tobacco plants. So is there heavenly weed? And if so, can I have some? Yeah, I'd love that. So then I assume we go back into the normal hospital scene and Lucifer is gathering the other patients. Yes, and I love that. And setting them up to cause a commotion so that she and God can escape. I'm confused though. Why does Lucifer not simply use his mojo on the doctor or the orderlies or whatever to get God out of the hospital? For one, everybody thinks that he's crazy there. But I don't think that's an issue there. I I think, and the idea of this is from the little mention that he does right here and right now, when God asks him how that's going to be any help to them or something in that sense. And Lucifer says, well, it won't. This is just for fun. So I think that he just really wanted to give them something unforgettable, you know, like give them what they desire. And even though it's kind of reckless and it's kind of dangerous. So basically, he gave all the patients what they desire while still keeping them inside the hospital where they are being kept safe. Pretty much, even though there's open fire and stuff. But that's surprisingly grown up of Lucifer. Nice. No, he went through a lot. Also, the montage. My favorite moment of this entire episode is right now the slow-mo with a song that's called In a Blackout by Hamilton Leithauser. And they just walk through the room, the complete mayhem. God is passing by a trash can on fire and warms his hands over it. They're 
synchronized ducking away from the underwear and stuff. It's just so beautifully shot. I fucking love the scene. You know what? I'm gonna look up who directed this episode real quick. I fully agree, by the way. This slow-mo montage scene thingy is surprisingly beautiful given what we're actually seeing. And I was very much surprised by it and I enjoyed every single second of it. And the music fits it perfectly. Just well done on all accounts. Yeah. So this episode is directed by Sherwin Shilati and... I just want to give them credit. There is a numerous of scenes and shots that are just so beautifully done. So visually pleasing. And I just love that. Thank you, Sherwin. Can you check if they regularly direct for Lucifer? So he has directed six episodes in total. And this is the first one. Ooh, so we need to keep an eye out in the future and see if the future episodes directed by him are as visually beautiful. Loving it. Loving this guy's work. After the slow-mo scene, they are hidden behind the laundry baskets and orderlies rush past and then they stand up and God praises Lucifer. And I know we say it repeatedly, but fuck Tom Ellis. His acting is so good. You only have such a short moment there, but his face... Oh, it hurt my heart in all the good ways. It was so beautiful. And then Linda opens the door and comes in and does a curtsy, however you pronounce it. And my heart was so happy in that moment. Yeah, it's a beautiful scene. The climax of this scene is great as well because I kind of really like Linda and Lucifer working together on a project. Yeah, outside the office, Linda and Lucy are an amazing team and I would love to see a lot more, but I get that she is the therapist, so most of the interactions are gonna be in therapy. We go on over back to Chloe's and Maze's home. I only have one note and that is, why is Abe's there? Yeah, why he there? Why? I asked the same question. We will see. <laughs> I've had a little summarizing of what is happening in this scene. That the fact that Chloe is pretending to go on a date, on an actual date with the doctor, is very uncharacteristic for her. Also, Maze's approach, I would never in a million years see that coming, that she would invite him in to Chloe's house. Of course, then she behaves very maze-like later on, but I would see her booking, she even mentions a boat and stuff like that, where, yes, this is where Chloe's bed is, but if this is supposed to be just a shag and go, wouldn't it make a little bit more sense to do that in not your own bed, so the person doesn't know where you live? Depends on how you deal with one-night stands. And I'm pretty sure for Maze, it doesn't matter where. Nobody's gonna dare come back if she doesn't want them to come back. Either way, I found it an interesting approach. Since she also lives there, she's gonna make sure nobody is bothering Chloe if she doesn't want to be bothered. So we go to Lux. And we have this beautiful song that is by Spandau Ballet called True. And I feel like a lot of the songs in this episode are these power ballads, like the 90s power ballads. This is one of them. And it's beautiful because it brings me back, but also it's very uncharacteristic for Lucifer's soundtrack. We're gonna have some different music this time. Which is a nice change up, I feel. Yeah, for sure. I'm kind of confused when mom calls God husband. I know she's done that before, but I'm not a fan that the concept of marriage apparently existed before creation. Yeah, how does it work anyway? Who married them? Yeah, not a fan of 
of the husband thing. Who draw the contract? What what is this even? But I was a big fan of her kneeing him in the balls because she's very angry with him. So very classic mom reaction. I was there for it. She looks so beautiful when she first shows up. I have a note in the next Lux scene that says these two look so great together. Hot 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 they make each other exponentially more attractive while already being very attractive yeah and timothy is he must be ridiculously tall because trisha is very tall and she is wearing heels in that scene and they're the same height when they dance i was i'm not gonna we go back to the date night let's call it that and what the fuck this is exactly what i was alluding to when i said this is heading for a fucking hilarious disaster this is exactly what i did not have in mind but it ticks all the boxes what is the manager doing what is he doing with the pizza i like the shape of your head what the fuck is he appreciating that they're both bald are you gonna eat that and he takes the pizza and doesn't eat it and then he takes his wine glass it's it's just like what are you doing it's all very awkward and creepy i was very uncomfortable with a manadil in that scene i have to say and he makes it worse mace and ames get up and go to the kitchen to give chloe and the doctor a little bit of privacy because suddenly that's a thing well chloe gives mace a signal to fuck off and then she gives a manadil a signal and he just steps right into it doesn't he i was so upset with him i understand on one hand that he thought mace knew yeah but like this is typical a manadil yeah i mean for me it is very obvious that this is gonna escalate in one way or the other and i'm not sure i like it but i'm gonna try to keep my mind open what i definitely didn't like chloe is so 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 bad at being subtle the way she's dealing with the doctor it's physically uncomfortable for me to watch when she tries and fails see that's the thing she is supposedly this really 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 good detective and she can tell people's behaviors but maybe that's why maybe because she's so good at revealing untrue behavior she is unable to do it herself and it's just so cringy to watch her i have such a hard time watching cringe So, had I not been taking notes, I would have fast-forwarded through this. But, we go back to Lux. Back to not cringy, but beautiful, beautiful things. And God says, it's like you're glowing. And she goes, you have no idea. And I'm just like, I love that so fucking much. But also, mom shares some of her favorite things about Earth. Yeah. Vodka. Yeah. Which I'm not surprised. Roller coasters. Did not see that one coming. Triple cream brie, of course. Mom is a vodka girl, just like me. It's a really, really cool situation. And I love that she's really into it. You can see that she's delighted. And more heartbreaking it's gonna get when we get the reveal that she knew all along the moment they kissed that it's not him the song that plays this song that plays in this moment lucifer and linda both 
speaking from behind the, the glasses, behind the bar, which is, again, such a beautifully framed shot. I'm gonna try to find if there's a gif of that. And Linda and Lucifer are both so delighted with their choice of music. So they put on this song that's called Can't Take My Eyes Off Of You. And this version is sang by Emily Mover. And I'm sorry if I'm butchering the name. It is originally a song from 1967 written by Bob Crew and Bob Godio. And it was originally recorded as a single by Frankie Valli, who you may know as the person who sang the opening song of Greece. Ooh, Greece is the word, it's the word. Also, this is the moment when the two of them are dancing that I just had to note it down how incredible incredibly beautiful these two people are next to each other. I'm actually kind of sad that Johnson is already gone at the end of this episode. I could have looked at these two for quite a few more episodes, I have to say. Yep, I absolutely agree with you on that. However, this brings us to the second cutscene. Ooh, is that already in the hospital? Nope, it's happening between Mazakin and Amenadil in the apartment. So they are left behind so we get more info on Maze after the reveal by a Amenadiel. Now I'm curious. You're gonna love this one. I have written down the entire conversation because I am sure you're gonna want to hear this. Mace and Ames are talking. Ames says he had no idea Mace didn't know they were leaving Earth. And Lucy should have told her. She burps at him and goes, whatever. Benefits of being a demon is I'm used to being treated like crap. Ames says, you shouldn't be, no one should be. And Mace snaps back at him. While growing up, the daughter of Lilith wasn't exactly a picnic. I was abandoned, fugitive, alone. And then I met Lucifer. He was the first person to accept me for who I was. No judgment, no shame, unconditional, just my friend. At least I thought he was. And Ames says, I hate to see you so sad. And Mace laughs at him. Sad? No. Demons don't get sad, Amenadiel. We get mad. My heart! I know, right? Cue Lina crying for five minutes. How? <laughs> In a long... Like, oh, I, I have so many things to say. That's just... I'm really sad that they had to cut this. I understand why they cut it. Oh my god. This is... Oh, I'm sorry, I have no words. I, I was not prepared. I tried to warn you, but it probably wouldn't have worked anyway. No, but I'm very, very much in agreement. It's such a waste that this cutscene is not in the episode. And of course, Leslie Ann delivers the entire monologue with just such mazeness to it. It's really, really nice. Sadly, now it's sad. So we go back into the hospital and I kept the entire scene again in one bit. And I have a lot of notes for this one. I have normal amount of notes for a scene like this. I did start this with entire scene with writing, don't eat the meds, Lucy, but also do drugs affect him differently with Chloe around? And does alcohol affect him differently when Chloe is around? So essentially my question is, is it easier for him to get drunk when Chloe is around? Because that would make sense, right? I don't know, because that would also mean that he should have noticed it much earlier that she affected him long before she made him bleed because he was always drinking around her. True. But we go to the scene and he gets the rationed drugs for him and I just had 
to write down Lucifer loves drugs and here he even gets them for free. Yay! And then we switch over to Chloe and the doctor being in the office. Yeah, I was very suspect about the fact that the guy just gives her the file. He simply breaches all of confidentiality clauses that there are. So highly problematic. But this is also the moment where Chloe apologizes for being too focused on the case and on work and thus using him or trying to use him. So I appreciate that they spell out why Chloe was so focused, but I still feel that her reactions in this episode were much darker and much more ruthless than past Chloe. And I can't help but wonder if it's A, due to the fact that she got emotionally hurt by Lucifer, that this is a development for her or if the fact that she's living with Mace has started to influence her in some ways. So I'm keeping my eye out if the grayness that is starting to show here for Chloe is gonna continue or if it's a temporary thing. But I'm there for it because as our dear listeners know, not a fan of the high and mighty moral Chloe. I like her a bit dark and dirty. It's kind of obvious that the Santa Claus outfit is going to be gone. So that was nicely done. I very much appreciated that Chloe gave the doctor the handcuffs. Yes, that was very smart. Even though she did not suspect him as one of the potential killers or whatever, she made sure not to fall into the classic movie, horror movie trope of not properly securing a suspect just because you feel like you don't have to. And it will always bite you in the but so really really like that and then we got to the point where you said why are the drugs working on lucifer and i had the same i was like how is that even possible ah so chloe does not only make him vulnerable but also makes the drugs work so she technically kind of makes him human-ish right yeah which of course for me oh my god there's so many potential problems coming up with that because if they ever end up having sex and she de facto makes him human then his angelic i'm not impregnating women will not work and i have stated before if the show at any point ends or has an antichrist baby i'm gonna be furious that is your presumption that he is using his angelic mojo as his protection have we put this in the question list by the way we have put it out there in a poll should we put it on the question list like what kind of contraceptive does lucifer use magical or condoms Apple of true after hours. I kind of want to know. I'm going to put it on a list. Uh, of course you will. Anyhow, at this moment, I went into all cups. What are those fucking drugs? What the fuck? How come they take Lucifer down? Is that a woman's voice? And is this because Chloe is still around? Which within seconds after I've written all of this down, everything gets answered. So they did it again to me, posed the question and they immediately answered it. Yes, it's Nurse Kipsy. Yes, it's because Chloe is still around and they are strong drugs, but they should normally not have any effect on Lucifer. Or not that strong an effect. And in this stage, I was kind of defeated and disappointed and admitted that, okay, it was not the doctor. 
here. I was still like halfway convinced he's in on it. But we also get the scene from the beginning here. And so if I understood it correctly, and please do correct me if I'm wrong, the explanation why he's able to say those things in the beginning is he's not stating it as fact. He's repeating her claims, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're in agreement. Also, I have a note. God is good. A sentence I never expected to write down, but them god johnson is good he knows right away who is behind the mask because he recognizes her voice uh this whole scene is so very well done and also this moment between god and lucifer is beautiful but before we get into that i just wanted to point out one thing this girl nurse gipsy really hates her own mother so much that she took a job in a mental hospital just to bully and drug her own mom. After she drove her insane, it's just so sad. It's psychotic, it's not sad. I can't help but draw a little line, if you will, with Lucifer's desire to send his own parents to their doom. And basically have both of them kill each other. Yeah, I could not empathize with Nurse Kipsy at all. Because we did not have enough information on her or her mother or their relation or anything. So to me, it was just extremely psychotic. I totally understand and get that there was not enough time to give us more background information. But now to this moment between Lucifer and God. This is, especially the second time viewing it, this is so heartbreaking. Because when you know that in just a short, short second, Lucifer is going to realize that this is not really his dad. This short moment is so painful and the two of them sell it so well. This episode gave me so many emotions and then took them all away by turning everything on its head with the end. And since this was not my first time watching it, I knew what was actually happening and I knew the twist that was coming up. But I still felt the emotion that I felt the first time watching it because it's still really well done. It's So I was simultaneously suffering because of the goodness of the moment and the horrible pain because it's not true. I have to say, this is going to be a bit of a spinning things here. I'm pretty sure you're not going to agree with me. But what if... God was one of us? Yeah. No. I had to. I had to. I was waiting the entire episode for you to go, what if? I didn't disappoint. What if this actually was a part of God's consciousness that was deliberately put on the buck belt? And the reason why I'm saying this, that Earl or God in this situation is conscious of the belt being the source of his divinity because the second nurse Kipsy goes for the belt he completely swaps from being this all powerful calm being to no 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 not the belt so that just leads me to the idea of this maybe it was purposely put down so god can have an interaction with lucifer and he felt like the conversation was not over yet hence he wanted to stop nurse to take the belt off of him what do you think i don't actually disagree with you <gasps> i only have an addendum to this keep in mind god is god all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful. If he did not want the conversation to end at exactly this moment, the conversation would not have ended at exactly this moment. I think it was deliberate. But I agree with you that the part that made God Johnson believe he was God is very likely 
an actual part of God. If it was like a conscious God is playing puppet master or if it was just part of his essence but still genuine godness. Which was deliberately put there though. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm curious where it goes. Also speaking of the belt, I was a bit angry with me because I should have noticed. You do not have belts or shoelaces or jewelry or anything when you are in a mental hospital and the belt and the belt buckle are displayed prominently the first moment we see God Johnson and I should have seen it and I should have noticed it so shame on me I didn't know about that rule but it makes absolute sense if you want to watch a very good movie about mental hospital in America watch it's kind of a funny story okay however everything painful must end sometime so Lucifer just flat out steals evidence from the crime scene and brings it to his penthouse and I'm confused because the blade doesn't work apparently still so the piece was here but it's not the only piece it's not locked in somehow so I think they need something to hold it in place at this stage or did they build it wrong if you put Legos on the wrong way together it doesn't work Lucifer (laughs) says that it fits perfectly then why doesn't it hold so obviously the piece is here just like Uriel said but it's not the only piece or like Amenadiel says maybe a dragon needs to breathe on it I love that what I found very confusing in this scene Lucifer seems utterly unimpressed by the fact that God Johnson was not dead. I feel like he just didn't want to talk about it in front of Ames. To me, of course, in the last scene, it becomes extremely clear. But in this scene, it struck me as if he genuinely didn't care, which of course makes no sense. And for someone who doesn't lie, he lies extremely well when not speaking. He hides things extremely well. So yeah, the plan seems to be back on track. Not really, the sword is still not working. Well, yeah, but they know that they need to look for something. They didn't realize they were missing anything from the sword until now. We go to the penultimate scene. I only have one note for this scene, and that is that this is the first time that we see mother being voluntarily vulnerable. Do you think she's voluntarily that way? I think so. I think that she realized that God Johnson was not her husband. And as she says, I don't know what's worse, the fact that I wanted him to be or that he wasn't. So it feels like she has had gotten this and she seems to be in a very, very bad place currently with everything that's happening to her. And she's making herself willingly open and vulnerable towards Dan. Dan is the only person that she can do this with as well because she cannot go to her children and tell them this. She cannot admit anything that she just admitted to Dan to anybody else but Dan. So I found this extremely interesting and very intriguing. And I think that's the reason why Dan actually lets her in because he sees that. I was in a very different state of minded emotion in this scene. Her standing there and Dan trying to hold on to this last sliver of self-respect and then letting her in both very literal and emotionally. Well, seems like Dan has no self-respect after all, even after he tried to state the opposite in the beginning of the episode. And I hate it. I 
do not want them to have a relationship in any way, shape or form. I'm not there for it. I think Dan deserves better than mom and I'm not a fan. I see where you're coming from. I like it because they are both broken souls and I don't think that Dan by letting her in is losing his self-respect to me this situation is I see that you're hurt and you need somebody to hold on to and I know how that feels so I will be here for you I will be that person Let's go into the last scene. I called that one goodbye, Earl. I only have one thing to say. It is utterly heartbreaking how furious Lucifer is. And fuck me, it's scary. Tom Ellis does scary Lucifer face so well. And that's all I have to say. I really like the character of Earl Johnson. The way he communicates with Lucifer is just very heartwarming. And it's really nice. And Tim Amundsen is just, ah, I fucking love him. That being said, I find it really, 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 really sad that Lucifer is so hard on convinced that his father would never apologize to him. Because I can see where is it coming from and it's from millennia of neglect and non-existing relationship and stuff. But there's something really heartbreaking about seeing somebody so completely dismissing relationship like this. Essentially the first relationship that you create is with your parents. And when you have somebody just completely wiped it out and... I'm not saying this is just from Lucifer's side. This is going from both sides. It's just heartbreaking to watch. So if I may slide right into my final thoughts here. This episode was a lot of fun. And I did personally appreciate the fact that we have seen mom on different emotional levels than her normal manipulative self that we've seen so far. I feel like we're starting to lay off the layers and layers of shit person that she has been so far. And we are seeing the light, I suppose, that's coming out of her. <laughs> we have a start of a really great subplot or side plot that somehow is gonna be involved, which is Mace and her being pissed off at Lucifer. I am very much curious where that's gonna go because that is not gonna be fun for anybody involved, except for us. And Lucifer gets the opportunity to confront his own emotions towards both of his parents. And yes, he turns everything back on its head in the end. But I am really glad that he lets himself go and goes through the motion and through the words and, and has the conversations that he has. And then we finally address the fucking clue. So thank you that we found the piece and everything is starting lining up really well for the finale. We have two episodes left in this season and I am ecstatic about what's gonna happen. I can't wait. I have to say, wow, I got surprised a lot in this episode. I did not see it coming that Johnson was only God by missing piece of the blade reason and not by actual divine proxy, which was my assumption. I did not expect Dan to simply let mom walk all over him and use him just because she feels lonely. I did not expect Ames to spill the leave for heaven plan to Mace. This episode was good with a capital G. 
Though I am aware that I am very biased towards anything that has Timothy Amundsen in it. Because he's amazing. He does a fantastic job in this. The emotional work between God and Lucifer was beautiful and heartbreaking and only serves to raise the stakes even higher. Though we still do not have a fucking working blade with only two episodes left in this season. So the tension is rising and I'm there for it. Let's keep going. (laughs) (laughs) And with this, I say thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoy listening to us as much as we enjoy doing this. If you feel the need to get in touch with us, you can do so via all the usual social media by simply searching for the apple of truth and then send us a dm or like us or comment or whatever strikes your fancy alternatively you can send us an email to lucifer at t-a-o-t minus podcast.com this episode comes out on october 7th so this today is the last day that you can send us feedback for our summoning episode. We would very much appreciate it if you have thoughts, feelings, ideas, criticism, basically anything that you want to share with us. And if not even that is enough for you and want to get involved in other way, please do consider look up our Patreon on patreon.com slash T-A-O-T podcast. If you go there, you can join two different tiers. One of them is going to give you access to our tiny little exclusive Discord where we are active. We are always online. And if you join the higher tier, you get access to all the bonus material that we record just for you. And it does nothing to do with the fact that we have too many opinions. No! If that is a little bit too much for you, but still you want to do something for us anyway, you can write us a review or you can share us with your friends. So... If you write your reviews on iTunes, it helps us with the algorithm, more people can find us. And if you share us with your friend, not only you can talk about the episodes with your friends, isn't that great? You help us share the good word with more people, which kind of is what podcast is about. So thank you, thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Bye! Bye.